Hey everyone, it's Katie. If you like the show, help us spread the word. Tell a friend. Find us on iTunes. Rate us on iTunes. And visit our website, thebittersweetlife.net. Welcome to Rome. This is The Bittersweet Life with Katie Sewell and Tiffany Parks. Hello, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Tiffany is away this week, but I have a special guest with me today. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah. My name is Erin Wright, and I'm here to talk about the Camino de Santiago. Yeah, so I met Erin uh, not very long ago, like about, what, a week before you left on your big trip? Yeah, just... I think I left maybe five days after I met you, so really soon. <laughs> okay, because you explain what the Camino is for people who don't know. Yeah, so the Camino de Santiago is one of the most popular religious pilgrimages in the world, though it started out as a religious Catholic pilgrimage, I believe, in the 12th century across northern Spain, and it's gone through kind of this evolution where now it's not really a religious pilgrimage anymore. It's just a really popular pilgrimage for people from all over the world. And there are many different routes um, starting as far out as Scandinavia or in France or Spain. And they all collectively end in Santiago de Compostela, which is a small city in northwestern Spain. So you say it's not really necessarily a religious pilgrimage anymore, but it is what a pilgrimage of sorts. Do people still mainly go on it searching for something? Yeah, I find at least when I was doing it and most of the people I met, it was sort of a way to be with yourself and your thoughts and kind of think through your life experience and what you were there. So it was still like an emotional, spiritual journey. And for some, that may take the form as a religious pilgrimage. For others, it may just be like a personal journey to find out information about themselves. What were you doing? What was your goal? Well, I had just graduated from college, which is a terrifying thing in itself. Um, And... I had heard about the pilgrimage about a year ago when I was living in northern Spain studying Spanish and it just seemed like the perfect time to go and kind of be with myself and figure out what I really wanted to do or maybe where I really wanted to be and so it was a nice way to just kind of walk and kind of put myself through a physical challenge after the mental challenge of school. Did you go alone? I didn't. I actually went with my dad so it was a pretty amazing experience to get to go with my dad who we haven't spent more than a couple of days together since I moved out and went to college uh, about four years ago. So it was wonderful to get to spend that time with him. Yeah. Tell me about that. How did that come about? Yeah. So it was really interesting because we were both in very kind of pivotal moments in my life. My dad is um, just before he left his job where he had worked for at the same company for 30 years. So it was really interesting to kind of both be in these really new scary places me entering the workforce he leaving and I feel like it really allowed us to open up and bond I learned a lot about his experiences when he was my age and things that I never really knew before are there any conversations that you and he had or a conversation that stands out I remember him telling me just all about the crazy travels that he had before he wound up in Seattle my dad was born in England and for different reasons of his parents work moved all over the world lived in Jamaica lived in New York lived in North Carolina Canada and I never really got to hear much about his personal experiences in each of these places and I feel like I kind of I always knew that my dad had lived in a lot of places but it never really hit home until I heard about like his intimate thoughts about these distinct places and 
it was so interesting to be walking through these different changing terrains every day and see that he had pretty much an experience to match with each one. Like I really only know the Pacific Northwest and that kind of rainy green weather. And we were walking through a desert once and he was talking about how it reminded him of a place he had lived before. Where was that? I'm trying to remember. I think <laughs> he had, it was it reminded him a lot of Eastern Washington when he spent a lot of time in Eastern Washington, which even I have lived in Washington my whole life and have never been over there. So that was really interesting. Oh, that's interesting. So you lived in Spain before you went to the other side of your state, which is incredible. <laughs> but that said, would you say that you have done a lot of travel for your age? I think for my age, I've been pretty lucky because I had the opportunity to study abroad my junior year of college. And so I studied in northern Spain, which, is, as I said, is how I heard about the Camino. And while I was there, I was able to travel on weekends to go to a couple of countries around Europe. But I feel like even though I've seen Germany and Spain, there's still so much I haven't seen. I've never been to South America. I've never been to most places on the east coast of this country. So I feel like I know more than some, but I know a lot less than others. Were you always the kind of person, though, that would be the type that wanted to study abroad? Like, you knew you wanted to go have that experience? Yeah, I always knew I wanted to study abroad. Um, and I never really had nailed down where I wanted to go. And it was actually my dad who was the one who told me when I was entering college, he <laughs> yelled at me and he was like, it's absolutely useless to go abroad and not learn a new language. Like, this is an amazing opportunity to get to learn a language. And he's like, so pick a language and then pick where you want to go. And so he had been learning Spanish for a long time and that really inspired me to pick up Spanish. Okay, so let's go back to the Camino. Can you try to put us in the place of what it was like on your first day? <laughs> where you were mentally on that first day? I know you've gone through an epic journey and we'll kind of wander through that, but where did you begin? Okay, well, the first day was probably the easiest and the best day because I was so excited and so eager. The first night we treated ourselves, we stayed in a little hotel in Leon and woke up at, I think, 5.30 in the morning, like before the sun rose, got all our stuff ready. We felt so proud that our bags were super light and we had our broken in hiking sandals and we were just ready to go. We had bought cheese and meat the night before and we were so excited. And so we set out in the darkness and immediately get lost. <laughs> and luckily we ran into an elderly gentleman who starts speaking rapid Spanish at us. And we were able to like get him to slow down. And he showed us these arrows that we, we had done all this research and we didn't even know that the main part of this Camino is to follow these yellow arrows. So he led us to the first of the yellow arrows and pointed us in the correct path. So we walked out of Leon, which is this big city and immediately we're in desert. We're still in the morning just feeling like excited and happy until we reached about hour five. <laughs> and, and then we realized what we had just kind of gotten ourselves into because our feet were starting to hurt. We were starting to develop little blisters. The backpacks were getting heavy and we still had about another two hours to go. So that like excitement still lasted the whole day, but I feel like at the end of the day, like the reality hit us about what we were about to do. If anything, those first four days were by far the hardest of the whole thing because it just took time for our bodies to adjust and our muscles to get used to the backpacks and our blisters to 
kind of scar over. Yeah, because it's about a month of walking every day for how many hours would you say? It depends on how far you choose. The nice thing about the Camino is since it is so popular, every little town along the way sets up these little, um, they're called albergues, which are like little hostels for just pilgrims. And if you have a pilgrim passport, it's only five euro to stay in a night. So each little town which you pass through every five kilometers has an albergue. So you really get to decide how far you want to walk a day. Um, My dad and I tried to go about, typically we do 25 kilometers a day, which I think is the equivalent to like 14 miles. So, and it would take anywhere from six to eight hours, depending on the elevation and if we stopped short or went a little longer. But those first four days, because you realize you have so far to go and you're just beginning and everything hurts and It hurts a lot. And I feel like those first four days are really a lot about changing. I personally had to change my, in my mind, my goals, because when I started out the Camino, I was really focused on Santiago. Like I was focused on the end point and what it was going to be like when I walk into Santiago. And I really quickly had to change that to a daily goal and what it was going to be like when I walked into the teeny town of Rabanal or some other place, because if I thought about Santiago, it just felt so daunting and so enormous. But if I thought about the end of the day, getting dinner in this cute little town, relaxing, writing in my book, it seemed a lot more attainable. Did you and your father get along that whole time, like walking for a month together? We really got along, actually. There, I think the nice thing about me and my dad is we're both pretty quiet people. And it was nice because some days on the Camino, you feel on top of the world. And then other days, you just feel awful and your back hurts and you don't know why you're walking for all these times and I feel like my dad and I were really good at reading each other in those moments that we were having dark times or not feeling so hot we were really good about just letting the other one be and letting them have their time there was never really a moment where I felt like we were annoying each other or bugging each other because we were really good at going off on our own but then also doing things together so it worked really well what do you mean by going off on your own I mean, as in when we were walking, sometimes it's crazy to me. My dad is almost in his 60s, and whenever we were going uphill, I was the one struggling, and he he would go off and just keep walking up the hill and get way ahead of me, and I might not see him for about 30 minutes. But that kind of, it was good for me because those moments were some of my like hardest struggles, and it was something that I felt like I had to go through by myself. So it was nice that he didn't feel like he had to look after me and watch me struggle through this mountain he could just go up the hill on his own yeah so can i i mean this may be a personal question but nobody knows who you are um (laughs) in those moments of personal struggle were you it was it mainly physical struggle or was it other things were there other like emotional or mental questions that were coming up over and over again it really depended on the day definitely in the beginning it was a lot of physical struggle and just kind of frustration and why am I not more prepared and why didn't I hike every single day to get ready Um, but as the Camino kind of went on and my body got stronger there were some days where I just I guess because you're walking for so long and a lot of the time you're walking in silence I would be thinking about things and sometimes there were like moments where I was wondering like why am I doing this why I should be back home looking for work or I should be with my boyfriend who's back in the states or I should be not out here doing that and those moments were really difficult Um, the ones where I felt like I had made a mistake in coming out 
but pretty much every day those moments would pass because in eight hours of walking it felt like every moment every little thing was kind of just like a feather and would like brush up against you and then you would walk past it and you keep going was it worrying that you were somehow getting behind in life like what was the worry seeing as you were only gone for a month why do you think that was bothering you so much it was definitely that worry because throughout my time in college I have always been very go 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 I took full course loads pretty much every quarter I had I put myself a lot of the way through school so I was working jobs or sometimes two jobs and I never really had a lot of like time for mental breaks and as I said this was more of a like physical challenge and mental challenge than a mental challenge and so it was so different for me to not be constantly working on something and so I did feel like I was getting behind and I remember feeling really nervous um and having that would being like my main mantra of being like no like this is your break this is your trip this is your reward for <laughs> graduating like enjoy it did it feel like reward it did looking back it did <laughs> there were at the time no, at the time, no. <laughs> there was I, there were definitely some days where it did not feel like a reward and my dad and I would be sitting like our legs just aching we had just spent like $50 at a pharmacy to patch up all of our terrible blisters and we'd be like why are we not on a beach enjoying our vacation like what are we doing but there was nothing better than walking into Santiago and just feeling like we accomplished everything how many kilometers is it the whole journey the entire Camino is I believe almost 800 kilometers so I think it's about like exactly like 760 or something like that wow that's how long you walked you did it from beginning to end I so my dad and I actually started at the halfway point because we we are not we weren't totally ready but even the halfway point I felt like was the perfect amount so we started in the town of leon and we walked about 400 kilometers wow. so did you go thinking that you were trying to answer a particular question for yourself or questions for yourself i really think my intentions were kind of to force myself to take a break after just four years of so much work and so much stress and constantly freaking about freaking out about what i was going to do i really wanted something where I had no access to my computer I had no access to connections back home and I did I did want an adventure and I wanted an adventure with my dad and I wanted an opportunity to speak Spanish every day but in the bigger scheme I really just wanted to force myself into a situation where I'm preoccupied with where I'm going to eat and where I'm going to sleep and how I'm going to take care of my blisters instead of my resume and my job. Did it change you profoundly? I'm not sure if it changed me. I think I'm noticing now because I came back and I'm unemployed and I have a lot of free time, which before I went on the Camino would drive me absolutely crazy. I hated doing nothing. I hated being alone and being by myself and not actively pursuing something. While there's still that aspect to my personality, I found myself being able to relax and spend time like cooking or going on a run and I just moved to Seattle so it's fun to like take some time and explore the city and kind of trust that things will work out and things will be okay mm-hmm. so a little bit more laid back a little bit more <laughs> I mean I think that's one of the stereotypes or maybe it's not a stereotype for the but for the Camino it means a lot of things to a lot of people 
it's a journey a lot of people have taken. And I think that there is this expectation that it will profoundly affect you in some way. And I, I've always had that question of, does it actually profoundly affect you? Or is it just sort of this month where you had an adventure? Like thinking about it, I haven't really actually sat down and thought about it critically until you ask that question. But it is it is interesting to see how it has changed me and kind of allowed me to be okay being alone with myself and my thoughts. I mean, if anything, I will walk everywhere now. <laughs> so that has definitely profoundly changed me. And if anything, I feel like my relationship with my dad is a lot stronger and I'm so grateful for that. And I would recommend that to anyone because I feel a lot closer to him and I feel like I know what he's going through and he knows what I'm going through. Did you see him change in any way? I think this he kind of had the same thing where he grew more comfortable being on his own. My dad's always kind of been a little bit more introverted. And after we finished the Camino, we split up and I went on traveling down through Portugal by myself and he went off into other parts of Spain by himself, which is something I don't think he's ever done. He's never gone by himself. He and my mom have been married for 25 years and they haven't spent more than like two weeks apart. And it was amazing just to see what he was doing. And he would like send me WhatsApp updates about all the like adventures he was going on. And he met people and was really putting himself out there. So it was really cool to see that he kind of was coming out of his shell. And I think the Camino might have helped that. Did you meet anyone interesting along the way too? I did. We met lots of really interesting people. Um, I think the thing that was really fascinating to us is how there was people of all different age ranges on the Camino. My dad was kind of worried before we started that he thought he was going to be the only one who was like a little bit older, but that wasn't the case at all. There were people my age, there were people his age, there were people much older, there were some people younger and a lot in between. We met this one really interesting German woman who I think was around the same age as me, who just decided to do the Camino on a whim like I think she had decided maybe two days before that she wanted to do it because she had been a dancer all her life and she I think had pulled something in her knee and wasn't able to dance anymore and she was saying that she wanted to kind of prove that she could still do physical activities even if she couldn't dance anymore so she had a really interesting story we met this adorable Russian couple. Um, <laughs> so they were so cute. They would just like cook their dinner for each other and one would set the little table in our little hostel and the other would like make all their food. And the woman in the couple was a lawyer in St. Petersburg and we were asking her how she can get the time off. And she just very like matter of factly was like, oh, well, I'm like, I'm a pretty good lawyer. And if I like, if my job doesn't give me the time off, I just quit and then I can pretty easily find another job. And I was like, that sounds like a pretty nice life. Like you can take time off whenever you want. So that was really interesting. I met lots of really cool Spaniards who would spend time just like talking to me in Spanish and they were always so nice and told me that my Spanish sounded a lot better than I'm sure it did. And <laughs> and, and then there was one night, um, I think it was day four where I had a huge blister on the side of my foot the biggest blister I've ever had I was limping and could barely walk and the owner of our little albergue our hostel took one look at it and he was like in Spanish he's like no 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 like that needs to be popped and I was like uh but I don't want it to get infected like I don't know what to do and he's like that's okay like you come back at 9 p.m and I'll do it for you and I was like okay so my dad and I went out and got dinner and I drank 
a lot of wine because I was <laughs> very nervous. And I came back and he has a bottle of disinfectant and a syringe and drains the whole blister and then puts disinfectant back in it. It was the most stinging, awful thing in my life. And then I woke up the next morning and felt totally fine. So I'm convinced that he was a miracle worker, but <laughs> ready to work, walk the next six to eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> so, wow. Is it, is this the kind of experience that you would repeat? I was thinking about that a lot because when my dad and I first started out, like those first two days, really full of optimism, we were talking, we we're like, ah, oh, it's like, we got to come back sometime and do the whole thing. Like we really need to start from Pete the port and just walk the whole 800. And then towards the end, I was like, no way am I ever doing this again? Like, this is awful. Um, but now kind of thinking about it, I'm not really sure if I would do it again or not. Part of me kind of wants to, and another part of me has no interest. I think if I were to ever do it again, I would really want to take a different route and walk maybe along the north, along the coast. But I don't think it's something I would do for a while. Yeah, maybe when you get to your dad's age. Yep. <laughs> maybe when there's another big changing point in my life, yeah. maybe I'll go. Right. Did you talk to your father at all about what he thinks is going to happen next for him since he's retiring? Yeah, we did. We talked about that a lot, just kind of about like what he wants and what my mom wants and kind of about like what he's nervous about and all these different things. I know my dad really wants to continue studying Spanish. He started when he was in his 40s, so it's been a lot more difficult for him to kind of assimilate to it. And so I know he's hoping to maybe move to Mexico or somewhere where he can practice Spanish. But if anything, he was saying he's just really looking for a change of pace. He was saying it's not really like working that he's sick of. It's just he wants something easier that that doesn't follow him into his every like into his nights and into his weekends. And he was just saying he was like, I would work at Trader Joe's or I would work somewhere where I can go and interact with people and just have fun at work and then as soon as I leave work work is over so that was interesting to hear what kind of work does he do he owned his own engineering firm for about 25 years and then sold it but still continued working at that engineering firm well and since you're in kind of the opposite spot here you are you've graduated from college and you're looking to start your career do you have a sense of what it is that you want to be doing I have bits and pieces I've uh, I studied public relations in Spanish. Um, I love writing and I love speaking Spanish. I know I want to work in nonprofit or in arts or maybe even government. I worked in tech over the summer and it really wasn't for me. I haven't really na like nailed it down to a pinpoint, but I have lots of ideas. So I'm kind of trying to spread out and try as many things as I can. Since you are a relatively young woman, you know, having just graduated from college, a lot of young women including myself when I was your age, was pretty nervous to travel alone. And I noticed that, that you said, oh yeah, I just took off down to Portugal. My father went up to Spain, you know, uh, as if that was the most normal thing in the world. But is it for you? For me, I feel, like I said, I only really know Europe in those small parts that I've been. And I've gotten, I think I've gotten spoiled over there because I've never felt nervous. But I think as a young woman, we do have to prepare a little bit more and we have to be smart, but I think it's always possible. And I try not to put myself in dangerous situations. I try and plan everything out. I always carry maps and I've not once ever felt unsafe. Was that just something you learned by being on your own on the road? It's definitely something I learned because when I went and studied abroad, I remember being 
like no way in hell am I going to travel by myself. Like even the thought of getting off of the plane and finding a taxi to my apartment by myself was horrifying. And I think that first like leap really got me out of my shell and kind of realized that everything's going to be okay. And I can do this and I'm smarter than I give myself credit and I know how to get out of sticky situations. So, And in a foreign language too, which is a yes. big deal. <laughs> the Spanish helps a lot. Portugal was a little overwhelming because I went from understanding everything to not understanding anything. So, right. Right. And What about sticky situations? Like how do you know how to get out of them? I find, like I said, the stickiest situations I've ever gotten in was just getting lost. And so, like I said, I try and stay prepared. I try and always have maps on me. I feel like we're lucky because everyone in the world speaks English. And really just thinking on my toes, if I get lost, retracing my steps instead of going further into an unknown place. Asking for help or? Asking for help sometimes, yeah, it depends. Um, yeah, and like if I was in Spain, I would go ask for help or ask for directions. And if I was in a place where I didn't really understand the language, I might go into a restaurant and or find a nearby hostel and usually ask people there. Would you, having gone through the experience, would you recommend that people go on the Camino? I 100% would recommend that people go on the Camino, but I would recommend going in with not no expectations and really allowing yourself to make it your own and not getting angry at, at yourself if you can't go 30 to 40 kilometers a day, like letting yourself take your time, kind of doing research and deciding, do I want to walk the whole 800 or do I want to start from just a particular point? And then also like letting it kind of change while you're there. Like you might get there and immediately get the worst blister ever and letting yourself take a break. I remember my dad and I had one day where we had to take a break and I was so hard on myself and looking back, I don't know why, because it's not like I was on a schedule. It's not like I had to reach Santiago by a certain date or I was going to fail the Camino. So I would say going in and just really allowing yourself to experience it and kind of let it grow and change as it's going to. Yeah, it almost sounds like you were, you were a pretty severe taskmaster with yourself. <laughs> and if anything changed, that maybe you've relaxed that slightly. Yes, most definitely. <laughs> like, I've always been someone who kind of blows things a little bit out of proportion. And I, find, I found that this trip has really helped me kind of relax and just know that everything's going to work out and everything's going to be okay. There's always going to be another Alberta So, Well, we're in kind of an interesting circumstance because the way that I met you was you interviewed with me for a job and I was the person who was in the position to hire you. And part of the reason that you ended up not getting hired was just because you were gone. And it had nothing to do with the fact that I, I thought you were great. You know, I thought you could have done a lot of really wonderful things, but with all these follow-up interviews and other candidates, it was just really hard to hold you up against these other people. I mean, I hope that you don't regret going. <laughs> I really do. Um, but what do you think about that? Yeah, I definitely don't regret going, but I remember getting that email from you and uh, thinking like, oh my God, like it's because I'm here that I didn't get that position. And that was one of the hardest days on the Camino. Um, it was, it was, right in the middle where it had just started raining. So that was already awful. <laughs> so walking through the pouring rain, just getting soaked. And we, oh, and so the day before had just been rough. And then I woke up and got that email right before I was about to start walking. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> and so that was one of the days where my dad was just so great. Like he kind of sensed that I just 
needed to be alone because I was just not in a good place. And so we walked and just didn't talk for like the first three hours. And then, and then the rain stopped and we were walking through like these beautiful countrysides and we went and got like a fresh squeezed orange juice and, and then everything just felt okay. And it felt like, I don't know, I had felt like I couldn't even walk for an hour that day. And I ended up walking by 20 kilometers and made it to the next town and everything worked out. And it kind of was like, I think life's still going to go on. Things are going to work out. So, yeah. yeah. I know I I hesitated even writing you because (laughs) I knew that you would have nothing but time to sit and think about it. Yeah, that I remember a friend was telling me um, we were talking about I don't know why, but like if you were to get broken up with, like where would like maybe being abroad would be the best place? And she was like, I feel like on the Camino, don't you think that would have been a good place? And I was like, God, no, (laughs) like all you're going to do is just walk and think about all the good times you've had and everything you could have done differently. Like, no. (laughs) So I guess if anything, maybe advice to someone who is doing the Camino, maybe like turn off your phone (laughs) and don't check your emails (laughs) until you're done. (laughs) And I would like to believe that knowing you as little as I do, but from what I've seen that you're going to be just fine. Yeah. Fingers crossed. (laughs) I'm sure you will be. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much. Good to have you. And uh, this is The Bittersweet Life. I'm Katie Sewell. Thanks for all the ways you support us. Give us a good rating on iTunes, maybe five stars if you like the show. It will help other people discover that we exist. Thank you. You're the best.